You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. When, uh, when I was a kid, and maybe you've done this before too, uh, I remember having this little cup and your teacher gave you a seed and you had some, uh, had some dirt in the cup and seed and you would have to take care of it, hoping that there would something be sprout up and, and that seed would grow. And then in, uh, when you were a kid in science class, you talked about plants and seeds and what seeds, seeds did. Also, uh, when my, uh, my granddad was still living, it's been a while since that has been, he, he died uh, several years ago. He was a farmer. And I used to, when I went to visit him during the summertime, I would go and I would get to sit on his tractor. And I, I love sitting on the tractor. He didn't have a John Deere. It was a red tractor. But anyway, it was a tractor. And so he would let me sit on the fender of the tractor. And what he would do, he would, he would have a plow. And he would pull that plow through the field and plow up the ground. Then he'd come back and he'd make rows for the seed. And then we'd come back and he'd put the seed down and then he'd go back and he'd cover up the seed. And then he'd pray for rain because he knew without rain, the seeds wouldn't grow. So we're going to talk just briefly tonight about the parable of the soils or it could also be called the parable of the sower. Basically, in everyday language, a parable is a story that has about earthly things that has a spiritual meaning. And you've heard uh, many of the parables of Jesus. Most of the time, that's how he taught and that's how he spoke. But I want to read, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, and I want to start with verse 4, and I want to read this parable. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds in the air came and ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up, but it was choked out. The thorns choked the plants out. Still other fell on good soil, And it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. We're going to talk about four different kinds of of seeds and and we're going where they where it fell, and we're going to talk about and compare that to four different kinds of people and four different kinds of lives. You're going to be able to find yourself in one of these explanations of this story. So your goal and what I want you to do tonight is to find out which one you most resemble and where you are in all of this. First of all, let me explain a couple of things to you. First of all, the seed that's talking about in this story is the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this about Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and is used for teaching, which means instruction, 
rebuking, which means uh, when, you, when you rebuke somebody, you, you, you sharply criticize them and you, uh, and you scold them or you try to convince them of their sin. So the Bible does a good job of that because the Bible tells you just exactly who you are and it tells me exactly who I am. So it goes on to say that it corrects. That means the object of correcting someone is to try to get them right. Try to tell them what they've done wrong and tell them what they do need to do next and then what they need to do to get out of the mess that they've gotten themselves in. And that's what the Bible also does. It corrects. And finally, it, it trains. It, it helps you reach maturity. It helps you develop in the right way. And it helps you develop in righteousness. The Bible not only convicts of sin, it also teaches and corrects a person how to live a holy life. The Bible is a mirror. The Bible reflects who you really are. Just like every day, all you lady folks sitting out there, you get in front of that mirror and you want to look just right. Every hair's got to be in the right place. And guys, don't you be laughing because you want to, you want to look good too. And you look at that mirror and you want to be looking good before you walk out the door. But let me tell you something. If you go all day and you never look in the mirror again, the next time you look in the mirror, you might freak out because you have not checked yourself all day. And that's the same thing that happens if you read the Bible and then take two or three days off and you read it again, you're going to see some things. You go, oh my, what have I been doing? So you've got to get in the Word every single day. That's how you grow. So if you want to look good on the outside, you get in front of the mirror and make sure you're looking good. But if you want to feel good and be good on the inside out, you got to get in the Scripture because it goes down deep. It goes down and uh, cleanses us. And everybody knows you live from the inside out. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. Bitterness in your heart, bitterness comes out of your mouth. Joy in your heart, joy comes out of your mouth. We live from the inside out. And that reminds me of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 4. Love this scripture. 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged, than any double-edged sword. It penetrates into the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the mirror. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That double-edged sword there was compared to a dagger, a dagger that was used in war, a dagger that was used when you got to hand-to-hand combat. It was sharp on both edges. You could use it for a weapon, and you would use it that way. And it cut sharp, it cut deep, and it cut to the core. That's what the Word of God is does. That's why they use that explanation, because I don't know if this ever happened to you. I promise you, the Word of God has cut me to the core. All I got to do is pick it up. And I can find anything, anywhere, anytime that's going to cut me deep. And then you know what has to happen? To heal that wound, I got to confess. To heal that wound, I got to be corrected. To heal that wound, I've got to do those things to get that stuff out of me. And the only way to do that is continue to be in the Word and continue to pray. Uh, a seed has great power in it. I remember back uh, in my hometown of Florida, we had these huge oak trees. 
huge oak trees with acorns and all the stuff. And you could be walking down the sidewalk and, and just be flat, just flat sidewalk. And then you'll come up and then all of a sudden you'll look up and then and, and the concrete is all busted up. It's raised up and you'll look to your right and there's a huge oak tree there. What has happened is that seed took root, that tree grew years and years, the roots went out, and those roots go anywhere they want to, and they went to that sidewalk because someone didn't realize that was going to happen, and it busted up the sidewalk. So a little seed can grow into a great tree and bust up anything. I've been, uh, I've been told that a small seed could grow into a tree to then bust up a foundation in a house. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced roots of a tree messing up a foundation. I promise you it happens. Powerful seeds, powerful. A seed can do nothing till it's planted. If you don't plant the word of God in your life, nothing is going to grow out of it. Whatever you plant in your life is what's going to grow and come out of your life. I promise you, that's what's going to happen. So the seed is a very mighty, a very, very important thing in your life. A seed produces fruit eventually if you have a fruit tree. You know, I've never seen an orange tree produce apples. I've never seen an apple tree produce oranges. So whatever the fruit of that tree is, that's what fruit it produces. The fruit of the Spirit is what happens to a believer uh, when, uh, when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of him. And, and you've heard this before, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Out of all those words... Tell me, tell, me, tell me how hard it is every day to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit when you're not in the Word. To exhibit the fruit of the Spirit when you're not praying. To exhibit the fruit of the Spirit where you're hanging out where you're not supposed to be hanging out with people you're not supposed to be hanging out with. Tell me how hard it is. Tell me how can you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit if you're not where you're supposed to be. If you're not reading what you're supposed to read. If you can do it, you tell me your secret. Because you can't do it. I know you can't. Because I tried it. If you're where you're not supposed to be doing the things you're not supposed to do, you're not going to be producing fruit of the righteous kind. You'll be producing some kind of fruit, but it's not one anybody wants. And it's sure not pleasing to God. Got to get in the Word, stay in the Word. Second of all, the sower, that's in this scripture, the sower really pertain to Christ, but if you're a believer, you're a sower. You're scattering seeds. You be sharing the gospel. Isaiah 52, 2 says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation and say, your God reigns. We need to share regardless of the response. We are not responsible for how someone responds, but we are responsible for sharing. If you're a believer, you need to be sharing. If you're a believer, you will be sharing, or you'll want to share, or you will find out or learn how to share. That's one of the traits of a believer. Sowers must sow. If you're a believer and you're, you're, you should be sowing those seeds. 
Sowers must also grow in godliness. That's another one of the traits of a believer. You're hungry for the word. Y'all, I like to eat. You know what my you know what my favorite meal is? My next one, okay? And I eat and I like to eat and I eat a lot. That's why I have to all work it all off. But you gotta be hungry for the word. Or you're not gonna grow. And then finally, the soil is the human heart. The seed needs the soil. The soil must be prepared. Just like my granddaddy prepared the soil, you must prepare your heart. And let me tell you where it starts. It starts with prayer. And I'm not talking about, Lord, lay me down to sleep, you my soul to keep and all that until I wake or whatever. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about a conversation with the Lord the holy God of the universe, your creator, who wants a relationship with you, who created you for a purpose, and the purpose is to glorify him, and the purpose is to have that relationship with him, and he wants to hear from you. He wants to pour into you. Jesus described four different kinds of hearts, three of which didn't produce any fruit, but the proof of salvation is in producing the fruit. The fruit in the believer's life are those things that most resemble Jesus. It's said of Michelangelo when he was sculpting the great sculpture of of David. What he did was, somebody asked him about, how do you take that big block of stone and, and, and sculpt David out of him, out of that stone? He says, I chip away everything that doesn't look like David. That's what God does in your life to make you uh, into a mature, growing believer. Everything in your life that doesn't look like Christ, it chips away. The Holy Spirit chips away. You're convicted and you chip it away. And as you mature, you look more like Jesus every single day. But you know what? Till you die and go to heaven or till Jesus comes back, you're chipping every day. Every day. The chipping never stops because you never stop dealing with sin. You never stop growing. Every day. Every day. So, the application, first of all, the soil on the road represents that tough-minded, macho, or machess if it's a woman or whatever, that tough-minded person that has that hard heart that's unresponsive, that they got it all together. It's all about me. I can handle it. You can't break me. You can't take me. I got it all together. Well, here's what the scripture says about that person. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then Satan comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. That hard-hearted person has hardened that heart to the point where they don't want to hear the word. They quickly dismiss the word without giving it any consideration. They hear the word, the Bible closes, the last praise song is sung, and they're out the door, and they don't even think about it. It's more like a social event. I'm going to go see my buds. I'm going to have a good time. And they have no consideration whatsoever for the penetrating word of God, their heart is hardened. And the reason it's hardened is because they're not doing the things that they need to be doing. They're not trying to grow. They're not seeking the Lord. And you guys know people 
that you sit next to in the classroom or, or line up next to on the sports field or play next to in the band or volleyball, you fill in the blank. You know people like that. You may be like that yourself, that you got it all together. You don't need this Jesus. You don't need this God stuff. It's all going to work out in the end. God's going to forgive me for, you know, in the end. It's going to be all right. I wouldn't wait around for that. The path with the foot traffic is hard. It, it would be, that kind of person would be like me throwing some seed right here on this floor and expecting it to grow. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So the next soil is the rocky ground and it reveals a shallow heart. And the scripture says about that person and about that heart, those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. When it talks about the rocky soil, it's talking about this. It's talking about a thin layer of soil on top of some rocks. And if you, if, if you have uh, ever seen grass or something sprout up and then the heat of the sun and the heat of the day comes and it kills it, that's because there was not enough soil there for it to grow. And that's what's happening here. There's not enough soil for it to grow. Here's what happens. They hear the word, they receive it, and boy, they're excited about it. Hey, that sounds good. I like that. But it doesn't take root. It endures for a while, but tough times come, things get in the way, and then they fall away because they never did take root. They never did take root. Trials deepen. Trials deepen the faith of a believer. You want to know how you can look and know and see the fruits of a believer is what happens when times get tough. There are people in this church, y'all, there's a lady named Kimberly Henshee. I don't know if you know anything about pancreatic cancer if you don't look it up. First of all, first of all, you don't even know you got it till you get it. It's kind of one of those silent diseases. And all of a sudden you get it. And by the way, you can't live without your pancreas. It's one of the most painful diseases and cancers you can have. But Kimberly Henshee has been through it, been through the chemo, been through the stuff, been close to not making it. But that lady's faith has grown. Every time she can get to church, she's there. She's at prayer meeting every chance she gets. Some of your parents even know her. That is a lady that has fruit. That is a lady that has a faith worth looking at. I want faith like that. And there are people that you know that have had cancer and dealt with things, and you've seen them get stronger and stronger when tough things happen. What you going to do when tough things happen to you? It's going to reveal your faith. It's going to reveal if you have any faith. Do you run tail or do you stand up and say, I'm going to give God glory. God, prepare me. Help me be strong and courageous. And whatever I need to do with whatever happens to me, I'm going to give you glory because you created me for a purpose and it was to give you glory. 
And I've, I've said in here probably before that Paul, the great apostle, said, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Let me tell you something. You're a dangerous person. If you know if somebody kill, if something kills you or something happens to you, you're going with Jesus and going to see Jesus. But if you stay here on earth, you're going to live for Jesus. You can't hurt a person like that. What you going to do to somebody like that? That's what we need to be. That's what we need to be. Then the next soil is infested with thorns and represents somebody that has a worldly heart. Luke 8, 14 says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by life's worries, by riches, by pleasures, by the things of this world. They never mature. They hear and receive the word, but they're distracted by the things of the world. They worry. They lust for other things. You can fill in the blank there. Their love for the world is greater than their love for Christ. That's the key right there. Whatever it is, now don't miss this, whatever it is that you that means more to you than Jesus, that's what you're running after. Now you fill in your own blank. You make your own choice. But I promise you, whatever you think is more important than Jesus, that's your idol. That's what you need to deal with. That's what I need to deal with. Don't think that the things that's coming out of my mouth doesn't pertain to me. Because when I preach the word, I'm preaching to myself. Just like Paul said. I am no better than anybody in this room. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I struggle every single day. Just because I'm Mr. Minister doesn't mean anything. I got to deal with sin. I got to confess sin. I got to pray. I know that I can do nothing without Jesus Christ. This person comes closer to salvation than any of the others, but the earthly life is more important than the life to come. They put more importance on this world than on the world to come to being with Jesus. Y'all, I'm not saying it's easy because this is all we know. But we have no idea what it's going to be like if we know the Lord and we're a believer and we live that life worthy of imitation and God has taken hold of our life and created us and made us into a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. Then finally, here's the one, here's, here's the soil that you want to be like. A genuine response will hear God's word and bear fruit. Luke 8, 15. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This is the person who hears the word, understands the word, receives the word, and is truly saved and proves it by bearing fruit, by being what God wants them to be. They're not sidetracked by the worries of the world. And, and the thing about it is, you, you need to understand this, and I, I, I want to read this because this is so important. Not everybody is going to produce the same amount of fruit 
because you're just not. But as a believer, you will produce fruit that will identify you with Christ. In Matthew chapter 13, it says about this uh, soil, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different things that God's going to produce within them. But the bottom line is this. If you are truly saved and are a believer, the things that you strive for and the things that you run after are going to be Jesus things, are going to be things that, that pleases God. Evidence of fruit being produced. Here's a few things. Sharing the word, winning others to Jesus Christ, knowing that you, you know the Lord and you're so excited that you know the Lord that you're going to do everything you can do to share Christ with someone else. And if you're not ready to do that yet, because there is a process to being feeling comfortable about that, you take that person to the nearest person you can find that you know can pour into them and share Christ with them. It can be your friend, whatever. But you'll want to do that. You'll, you'll have a burden for their life and for the way they're living. You have Christian character. You'll look like Jesus more every day, even though with your struggles and the, dealing with the sin in your life. You'll praise God. We sang some praises to the Lord as we came in here this, this evening. Let me ask you a question. Do you sing praises to the Lord in this room right here just as you do it, just as you would at your favorite concert, secular concert? Or do you sing praises to the Lord at the top of your lungs as hard as you would cheering for your favorite team? See, I would think that when the band gets up here and starts playing, playing the song and singing, that there would be so much volume in here you'd think there are 500 people in here because I'm probably if all of y'all yelled at the same time it'd be pretty loud see it's all perspective it's all in what you think's important do, do you worry about you know if I sing really loud what's that person next to me going to think well they may think they loved, that you love Jesus that'd be okay you got to quit worrying about what people think. You got to live for the Lord and you got to be a leader. When's the last time you asked somebody to come to greenhouse? When's the last time? When's the last time you shared Christ with someone? Last time. A life characterized by good works. Someone that aggressively pursues the word of God. 
guy named Jerry Pipes. He was a speaker a long time ago when I first started in student ministry, way, way, way back. I'm not even going to tell you how long ago it was. He would say this, no change, no Jesus. There will be evidence of life change. If, if someone knew you before you knew Christ and you, fa- and, and, and you, you accepted Christ and then you went away and six months later you accepted Christ while you were away and you came back, that person should be able to go, what happened to you? Evidence of life change. Evidence of life change. Bottom line is this, y'all. Salvation always endures, and salvation always bears fruit. And here's some words to live by. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. Band, if y'all will come up right now. We're going to sing through a song, and we're not going to uh, do this very long. But here's what I want to ask you. Where are you tonight? Where do you fit in this scripture? I want you to do some time thinking and praying and think the Lord may have something to share with you tonight. But you think about that. You think about where you are and the things that you need to do. Lord, thank you for this uh, opportunity to share. Lord, be with these students. Bless them. Thank you for uh, their lives. And I pray that they will start living a life that is worthy of imitation, a life that bears fruit. In Jesus' name. Amen.